0: This is Lady Tiffany Ma, and this is my Mind Emporium. Welcome you guys to my podcast. I hope you guys had a lovely weekend with all that's considered. Um, there has been some very like, you know, tough situations going on, you know, with DMX. And, you know, y'all y'all already know what I told y'all about what happened. Um, so and it kind of was a rough waking up for me this morning um i got some news i was not expecting um but that's life you know you can be on the up and, and things that you know happen they just happen so um to you know everybody out there i hope everybody else had a a great weekend because mine was janky i already told you the story um about what happened did i tell y'all the story about what happened to me on saturday night just know this always have insurance aka always pay before you get there or pay before you get to a whole situation because my thing is i had the money in advance i just chose not to, to spend it but um i would know for now on don't go to an event unless somebody tell you for sure that it is free um so with that being said, I want to start out this podcast by talking about last night with the verses. Our yard ain't going to look cute. And God it ain't my real house, honey, because if this was my house, I'd be really pissed off about my yard looking like that. Granted, it's not their fault. I guess they're trying to fix the Wi Fi. And if they're trying to fix the Wi Fi, I'm all for what's going on outside right now. So, last night versus was epic to me. It was legendary and it was emotional. And I feel like they didn't even do all their catalog. Like, they had so much music they could do. Both Earth, Wind, and Fire and the Isley brothers had so much they could have done. And they did what they did. I like when they went back in time with them, like, especially with the Isley brothers. There's a lot of songs that Isley's brothers did that people have sampled, like people have sampled them severely. Like when Steve Harvey, you know, was talking to uh to Mr. Isley himself, Mr. Ron Isley, and he was telling him, Um, you know, you got you the only reason you use my music if you pay me for it. And so they made sure they paid, they made sure they're taking care of, honey. You can't use their music, and they I'm telling you, they have sampled. Earth, Wind, and Fire and the Isley Brothers, whether it's the beat, whether it's the song, or whether it's both. they People have sampled them so much. I cannot not hear a song that does not sound like a song that is a sample of the Isley Brothers or Earth, Wind, and Fire. So last night was legendary. And it was, why does that make you emotional? It was nice to see all of them. Because you don't appreciate something until it's gone. And we need to appreciate them while they're still alive, while they're still here, while they're still legendary. I mean, last night was legendary. I felt like I was hanging out at a cookout or I was hanging out at a blog party. It was the best thing ever. Like, I, I loved it. Uh, I felt emotional. And I felt like, man, like... And then I think they felt emotional because they were finally getting their flowers and they were finally getting... no. Notify for what they have done because they really all their music has built R and B and funk and soul for so long. Like people always sample them. It's no way in the world you cannot hear a song these days and not know that it's a sample from them. And it's crazy to me how first and foremost how uncreative some people are these days but how they are still making money till this day and how they are still alive to enjoy the fruit of their labor and i appreciate it like i appreciate it so much last night i had a hard time last night getting to it i was trying to what happened was they were they were streaming it on youtube and then they shut it down they were streaming on another youtube channel and then they shut it down and then I tried to stream it on YouTube, and then my Wi Fi was acting funny. And then I was trying to figure out why my Wi-Fi was acting funny, and I realized I was I didn't have my Wi-Fi on. So I missed. I hope I didn't miss too many pivotal parts, but I did, I did miss, I didn't miss all the pivotal parts. I missed everything that was important. Just watching it was important to me because people just don't understand, like, and then on top of that, they had their own style and their own flair. You would never mix the Isley Brothers with Earth, Wind, and Fire, or Earth, Wind, and Fire with the Isley Brothers, because they had their own flair back in the day. Back in their day, back in the day, they all were different. They all looked different. They all sounded different. They didn't sound the same. You know, you didn't see, you know, Warren Isley wearing the same hairstyle, you know, as Philip from Earth, Wind, and Fire. These days, everybody walking right here with rainbow color hair, even the dudes, they all look alike. All of them look alike. And, And they all sound alike. I don't know who record I'm listening to. There was one song somebody told me that was by Tweety. Not Tweety, Sweetie. Sorry, Tweet. I don't know what I'm thinking about Tweety right now. But there was one song by Sweetie that she did, and I thought it was the City Girls. There was a song by the City Girls I thought was Meg The Stallion. There was a song by Meg The Stallion I thought was Cardi B. But you can tell the difference between Earth, Wind and Fire and the the Isley Brothers. We don't have that no more. We don't have that no more, and nobody have enough respect to even admit that you sample these people's music because they were creative geniuses. And 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 the the, the fact that man, it's just. Oh. The playing the guitar, having talent, period. Being low and how to play an instrument, it's very important part of being a musician. They are actual musicians. Okay? They could get on a keyboard and play music. They could get on they could they, they do that they don't they didn't even need the backtrack. okay but they just had it there it was that last night was epic I was looking in the comments section and I was noticing people making comments and I was noticing, and it was mostly it wasn't famous people that was making little smart comments in the comment section it's always people who nobody knows and always got, got a got um a smart ass thing to say and I noticed people were talking crap about Steve Harvey and people don't like Steve Harvey. I don't too much. I'm not a Steve Harvey fan personally myself, but I think they chose the right host because one, he can go back with them. He ain't going to sound stupid. Like somebody who's in my generation or younger who be sitting there talking to them. And be like, Oh yeah. Oh, biggie sample that. or oh, oh yeah. Takashi six. No, I go use that. No, you, you, they had somebody who actually lived during the time when these men were popping and wearing these outfits and was on stage and creating magic. And I thought it was appropriate, very appropriate for Steve Harvey to uh, be the host. I don't see nobody else hosting that besides Steve Harvey. I don't care how much you, how, what, I don't care how, how you feel about him. I felt like he was perfect. The fact that he was sitting up there in an Easter suit in a hat made my day. <laughs> it was like Uncle's sitting in the backyard having some cigars. That's what it was like. And I think Steve Harvey would be someone who understand and appreciate and grew up in a time that would understand the Isley Brothers and Earth, Wind, and Fire. Somebody my age would say something stupid. Like Steve Harvey probably actually lost his virginity to their music. <laughs> those were his days man that was back in the day so those were his days it's the same thing like you know when I come on here and I talk about B2K and I talk about how things were when I was in high school those are my guys that's my back in the day pretty Ricky B2K all of them those are my guys those are my back in the day type of guys because they represent me being a teenager growing up um, understanding things, getting to know people, you know, having crushes and don't know how to express how to do it. And you always have that song playing back ahead. the The soundtrack of Steve Harvey's life is Earth, Wind and & Fire and the Isley Brothers. And when he said, man, growing up, I want to be these dudes. That's the kind of influence that musicians are supposed to have on people. In the back of my head, I'm like, shoot i want to be like that when i'm there just still like be able to be on stage and to to enjoy my flowers while i'm living that means everything so i think steve harvey was a very perfect choice dj nice he did his thing he did a good job i love his transition i love the fact that he transitioned into music that people did not know were by the, the isley brothers and um earth wind and fire and i know when i say people i'm talking about people probably my age and younger who don't know that you know the isley brothers and earth wind and fire did a lot of music it was crazy like what we associated with songs by earth wind and fire like all i saw was drumline with one song with um earth wind and fire it was crazy how Steve Harvey was like, You're the HBCU is no way the world you went to the HBCU game, and did I hear this song. That's true. Like, y'all just don't understand. Like, that was legendary. So, I mean, regardless of what you feel about Steve Harvey, he was the perfect one to be up there to host it. I don't see anybody else doing it. There's nobody who's a millennial with who would be able to relate. And matter of fact, a millennial will probably offend the Isley brothers and um, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Fire and would not be able to appreciate them as much as Steve Harvey because Steve Harvey has been appreciating these artists ever since the day he started comedy. And he was complaining about the hip-hop then and the rappers then were more creative than the rappers now. So, that, that, that going back in the day and him talking about stories and what happened when he was listening to this song and that is how you're supposed to host. He did his thing last night. I appreciate that. I know people didn't care for the fact that he was talking a lot. But my thing is, it's like, it will be the same way for you. Like, uh, you know, 20, 30 years from now, when you see your favorite artist and you like, you have cognitive association with them and you're like, man, I remember, you know, I got into an argument with my mom during this song, or I remember when this happened. or I remember when that happened. So, that that was the verses we needed, you know. You gotta appreciate, you gotta appreciate the old to be able to go into the new. And I don't think people appreciate the old, and that's why nobody can appreciate the new because new, just so new to where it's not even new anymore. I don't know how many R&B songs y'all done simple every nineties R&B song. I don't know what to do. It's like, geez, there's no producers that know how to do their own beats anymore. Hello? Y'all, get creative, y'all. The only reason, the reason why the Isley Brothers and Earth, Wind & Fire are legendary is because one, they didn't sound like each other then and they don't sound like each other now. Now, my generation have a different, like, association with, Mr. Ron Isley himself, you know we all know that he was Mr. Biggs and Mr. Biggs was always getting into it with R. Kelly and uh, he eventually, one time he he sent somebody out to beat up Amorian's ass <laughs> <laughs> Amorian was messing with his daughter and he was like, uh-uh so Amorian got his butt whooped, and Razzby, Lil Fizz, and J. Boog had to help him <laughs> They beat up Omaria really bad. It was awful. Poor little Omari. (laughs) And I know a lot of people don't too much care for R. Kelly at this point because of what he's been accused of. But I want to talk. I want to say this. You have to say that R. Kelly brought a whole new generation, which is my generation, to appreciate Mr. Warren, Run Isley and the Isley brothers. R. Kelly did the same thing with Charlie Wilson. You know, a lot of us wouldn't know who Charlie Wilson was until R. Kelly reintroduced him and did his album. And it's very unfortunate when a talent like R. Kelly does things the way they do things. Um, with young ladies, um, that they have no business doing and so you know his legacy is not going to be as revered as the people who he introduced a whole new audience to because he did introduce us to the Isley brothers specifically Ron Isley Um, and you know we have a whole generation of people who know who they are now so that's another important part of a legacy, and that's unfortunate that his legacy is going down in shambles because he decided to let that his demons eat at him. But that's a whole nother topic at another day. I'm not gonna talk about Mr. R. Kelly because I I think it's it's very important to keep the spotlight on Earth, Wind and Fire and um the Isley brothers because. I grew to appreciate their music more. I There was not one moment where I was not dancing. There was not one mo- moment I was not singing. There was not one moment where I did not know the song. And to me, I think we need to do more legendary versus uh, people who are not legendary versus. Um... Because we need to, the verses need to now put you out to appreciate, because when it first started, y'all understand when verses first started, it was the producers and it was the songwriters who were like, hey, I wrote this. Hey, I wrote that. I remember the first verses I saw. I didn't see the verse between Timberland and um, Swift Beats. But I did see the verses with Neo and Jonte Austin. And I have a whole new respect for Jonte Austin. I said I was going to talk about songwriters. I don't know why I didn't get to that. But I do want to talk about songwriters and talk about their catalog and what they wrote. So y'all understand their catalog and what they wrote. So y'all can have a whole nother appreciation for them. But I think for now on that the verses should be legends. Um, So... This is going to be, this is epic. I don't think they can top this. They can find somebody else legendary. They can do that. But I don't know if they can find it. I know they did. When they did Pale Bell and Gladys Knight. Huh. Y'all, y'all skinning the teeth of talent. Like y'all, y'all scraping the bottom of the bell room with talent right now. So I feel I really feel like I would like to have end the summer off with Earth Wind and Fire and the Isley Brothers because I felt like they were the grand finale, and now I'm disappointed, and now I gotta go watch somebody else. Like, I mean, you cannot do SWV and versus Escape after Earth Wind and Fire. I found this out the hard way when I went to go see Usher after I went to go see uh, Stevie Wonder, and I was totally disappointed at the Usher concert. Like Usher's a very talented man. But after seeing Stevie Wonder, like, Usher, you ain't got nothing on Stevie Wonder. And Stevie Wonder can't see. Stevie Wonder is a wonder of the world. Like, oh, my God. I don't know if I was high or whatever, but that was the best concert ever, going to see Stevie Wonder. And you cannot do a legend before you do somebody who, and let's just say this, ah. Uh, Usher will be a neo-legend. A neo-legend is somebody that millennials grew up watching. Stevie Wonder is a legend legend. And he has a writing... Oh, my God. He has a a credit of writing songs, too, that is so huge and so big. And you can't top it. And the one thing that, that Stevie Wonder won me on was the fact that he basically... He was on stage the whole time. He didn't have no opening acts. There was no pyros. Okay, there was no young people thinking they were gonna get backstage and they didn't get backstage because their friend was a backup dancer. That's a whole nother story, girl. I don't know what's up with millennials, but we tripping. That 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 whole thing right there, we tripping. There was nothing like that. It was a beautiful, it was a peaceful night. And that was the best concert ever. Going to go see Stevie Wonder. And I hate that I saw Stevie Wonder before I saw Usher. Because then I couldn't appreciate Usher. And y'all know Usher is a very talented man. He is severely talented. So for me to be like, oh, After seeing Usher, like, I mean, I left the Usher concert early. I was like, okay, okay, maybe next time we need to calculate this better or maybe we need to start doing concerts that's not in Atlanta because I don't know what it was, but Usher, I was not feeling Usher. I was not feeling him. Not at this Mr. Wonder, honey. So I don't know how they gonna top the Isley Brothers in Earth, Wind, and Fire. Sorry, not Sorry swv and escape is oh oh they should have did swv and escape last night instead and then earth, earth Wind earth went in fire and um the isley brothers and don't nobody sit up here and don't nobody argue and listen to me and say oh well you don't know how long they have no older people are living longer than younger people so yeah We can have a conversation about that. It might get to the point where humans live to be 200 years old. You don't know that. You don't assume that because somebody's older, they're not going to live. And I understand the urgency of appreciating Earth, Wind, and Fire and the Isley Brothers. I just would like to appreciate them after Escape and SWV. I mean, it's not like Escape and SWV are not talented, but they're going to seem less talented behind Earth, Wind, and Fire and the Isley Brothers. I'm just saying, you know, but it was a nice, it, made, it it was a nice ending to Easter Sunday for me. It was a very nice ending to Easter Sunday. Uh, it made me miss having Easter parties and Easter Sunday and Easter. It just, it just, it was just a beautiful spring feeling with them. Does that make sense? So yeah, don't try to, y'all, I just, I can't stand when y'all do this. Like, after they did Pay Bell and Gladys Knight, I just felt like that was it. You know, you just don't do legends and then do somebody who's not as legendary as a legend. Because legends are going to always win They're legends for a reason. <laughs> so I'm going to be pissed at this whole escape and SWV thing. <laughs> I mean, so man, I'll be like, you know what? Y'all ain't shit. <laughs> I mean, y'all really thought y'all were doing something with them runs, honey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't care if she did we. I don't care. We can't get popping no more. Shoot. <laughs> I don't care. All right. So, yeah, I feel some kind of way about the legends going before, um, you know, the Neo legends, which is people of our generation would remember. I feel some kind of way about that um, because I'm like, girl, I can't appreciate a skate now. I really can't. So, yeah, (laughs) I can't. I can't do that. Um, So... I already told y'all what today's topic is going to be about. I tell y'all what the topic was going to be about. I was talking about the verses, but I kind of want to delve a little bit into somebody that I would say he would be legendary if there was no politics in the entertainment industry, but there is. So. I'll be talking about Brother Omoria. I don't know why he's heavy on my brain, but I guess because I woke up and he was on my freaking Pandora. Or not my Pandora, he was on my Spotify. And so I guess that's why he's heavy on my brain. So. Today, the reason why I want to talk about Omorian is because I feel like, I feel like the entertainment industry misunderstand him. I feel like um, fans misunderstand him. I feel like he's just misunderstood, period. Um, even I, myself, I can misunderstand him sometimes. Um, I think I could, I think I could take him wrong. And I think I have taken him wrong before. And it's like, now that I'm older and I'm more appreciative of his work and his art and his work ethic. I feel like I, I try to figure out why, um, he's not appreciated more. Um, and I, I got an answer for that, and it has to do with how his group broke up, and it starts with how his group broke up, and then it started with the allegations, and then I hate saying allegations, because y'all already know my how I feel about that whole situation, but since people are on demon time, I'm going to keep my mouth shut about that, but um, y'all know the allegations came out, I already told y'all yesterday what to do to look up the video, It seems like everybody outside is on demon time right now. I I don't know what's going on, but um, it just feels like you know it felt like he was set up. I don't know. His career is very peculiar. It's very peculiar. Um, he should be a multi Grammy winning platinum artist. He should be selling out stadiums around the world. But see, the same thing is, what do you have to do to get to that level? Like, what is it that people do to get to that level? You know what I'm saying? So we're going to examine Omorian today. And I know it's weird because I just talked about some some living legends and how they are. But the one thing I feel like, I feel like Omorian is not appreciated, one- and two, I y'all know. I mean, I know y'all. I what I said, whatever. Anyway, two. I feel like we have legends, we have kings of R and B, but because of how things were done, um, in the early two thousands to the to the twenty ten, it just seems messy. Everything just seemed messy, but we're going to fix all of this. Okay, we, this is this is going to get fixed, and I'm I'm a firm believer it's going to get fixed. But I just want to know why somebody who had potential to be king of R&B and pop is not king of R&B and pop. And I will be doing more um, examinations of why these things happen. We're going to talk about Chris Brown. We're going to talk about Usher. Um, I'm not talking about R. Kelly. I think R. Kelly been beat down enough. Um, I'm not saying he don't deserve his punishment. I'm just saying, I don't want, I don't think he, I think he's beat down enough and I think he feel bad already. All right. After you have a temper tantrum on TV, you really can't sit up there and beat somebody after they have a temper tantrum on TV. I'm sorry. I don't see how people do it. I don't see how y'all sit up there and watch somebody have a meltdown on TV and think that it's funny and it's cool and recreate it like it's funny. That was not funny to me. There was a man on a, on, on the brink of a mental breakdown and I don't like being people while they're down. So I can't imagine how he feels right now. If he had a breakdown then, I can't imagine how he feels now. So with that being said, um, we're going to do an examination on all who I think are potential R- um, kings of R&B. Because I feel like we had so many kings and yet none have seemed to be worthy. Or we have not deemed them worried because we're waiting on pop culture to accept them as a whole. So... We're going to talk about um Brother Omorian honey or Mr. Granberry I like to call him Mr. Granberry. Um so I think he uh he put his foot in his mouth and I feel like people around him screwed him over. And no, not his mother. I don't think his mother screwed him over. I don't feel like she had anything to do with that. Um so we're going to talk about what happened when B2K, we're gonna start with the B2K breaking up, how it affected him, what went down, what happened, and how it messed up his reputation and his credibility as an r&b artist. You have to understand also around that time, there was another r&b king, and I'm calling him a king because he's my king. I don't care, you don't have to see him as a king, but these are guys I grew up with and I see them as kings because they have talent and they're the people who had talent and they went lost because of a scandal or somebody dug up something on them or somebody told the information on them and it made them look bad and people didn't know the whole story or didn't try to listen to try to figure out what really went down. So back in the day, um, I feel like when B2K broke up, it messed the band up. It didn't mess up. Well, it probably did ruin his reputation. We ain't gonna say his name. So what well, his nickname is gonna be Nona. Nona name didn't get really get messed up. It was B2K name that was messed up. Um B2K credibility was messed up because when they broke up, they broke up at the top of their game. And on top of that, they had a hit box movie, a box office movie. Um when you got served came out, it came out during Super Bowl weekend and it like blew up at the box office nobody expected that you know you never hear of instinct doing a movie and it blew up at the box office you will never hear about the backstreet boys doing the movie and it blew up at the box office you will never hear about that b2k did that and they were broken up it's kind of weird to break up while you're at the top of your game it's weird right It's strange. Like, why would you break up as a, as a group at the top of your game? Well, because the group didn't break up. They didn't break up. But when they started mudslinging, that's when they officially broke up. Um, I believe some people broke them up. And then when everybody wanted to tell a story, when J-Book, Razzby, and Fins came out and told their side of the story... Amorian told another side of the story which was totally opposite because you have to defend the management, which I felt some kind of way about a 19-year-old boy sitting on a couch by himself defending his management who screwed up these boys. They screwed them over. So, his credibility went out the window when he was defending a management that had no credibility to begin with also. And he kind of lost it right there, but people were still willing to give him a chance because we kind of felt bad for him. So when he came out with his first album, which was called Oh, of course, we all bought his music and we were hoping that some extent that maybe he will rekindle with B2K, but that never happened. He kept doing his solo album. He kept doing his solo work. and He kept it pushing and he kept it moving. But the other thing that hurt him was those allegations I'm not going to tell y'all what the allegations were. Y'all already know what they were um, There those allegations that were made. And once again, because he was part of that management that those allegations were made against, he defended them because once again, this is your management. This is your bread and butter. These are people who are helping you get to where you at. And so he defended the same management that his bandmate, his former bandmate, Raz B claimed did these things. And he had to defend him, and he was giving, I don't know who with the PR, who was a publicist on this? Because I mean, now, like I said, like like now that I'm older and I'm in my thirties and I see how young Omorian was. And when he was saying those things, he didn't think that there was any consequences or repercussions for calling somebody a name or saying somebody had a mental illness because he's young. But the publicist was supposed to fix that. And the public was supposed to come out and say, hey, you can't say that about somebody. You got to have proof and evidence and what medication was he taking and all that, all that, you know, all that stuff. You know, you can't sit up there and just claim somebody has a mental illness. What are you, a psychiatrist? But he was young at the time and he was just doing what management asked him to do. But that messed up his reputation. And when those allegations came out, Let's be straight up honest. I'm gonna be honest with you. Especially guys back in the day. Guys hated B2K because they lost their girlfriends because of these these guys. So guys were already going around saying that they were homosexuals. Yes, I use a politically correct term as homosexual. I'm on another app while recording this. So I have to be politically correct in what I'm saying. Because they would call it uh, slander. So... Bear with me. They came out and said that somebody, you know, that you know they were homosexual and they were saying they were homosexuals. They I just know guys knew that something was off. We all knew that something was off. And when the allegations came out, of course, it was like not only was Amorian reputation kind of messed up, and the management reputation was kind of messed up, Raz messed up his reputation as well. And I'm not saying what he's saying is not true. What I'm saying, he messed up his reputation when they made him record a recantation. So they made him out to look crazy when he actually isn't a crazy person. So you have that as a whole as to why, once again, Amorian, who is a very talented man, he can dance, he can sing, he can... He can play the piano. He's a very talented man. Why people did not notice his talent? Because of the allegations that were made against his management. Um, Like I said, once again, PR, instead of fixing it, they antagonize a victim. When you antagonize a victim, it does not make you look good. When you antagonize someone who claimed that they were abused, it makes you look bad. Even though people were just as mad at Raz B as they were with Omorian, It makes you look bad. And then when people go back into talking about this, everybody be like, why are you talking about this stuff that happened 15, 16 years ago? Because it still affects Omorian's career to this day. When B2K got back together, don't tell me y'all did not go to Omorian's comment section and call him all kind of homosexual slurs. Don't tell me you didn't. it does still affect him to this day I don't know if the management he was part of and I'm not going to say their name and I'm not going to say that person's name because you ain't going to get no lawsuits out of me because the million dollars you're going to try to get it's going to go right over there with my loans, my student loans over there so you can try and sue me or whatever you ain't going to sit up here and sue me for some shit That is public record. You cannot get rid of those videos. They are not going to go away. People have... You have have taken them down. People have copied and repasted that video. You can't do anything about that video. It is out there. It's just like the whole Kurt Franklin thing. Where it had nothing to do with Kiryana Franklin. It just so happened him and his friends were arguing with each other. And he just so happened to say... What he said. Carry on Franklin didn't put it out there. His friends put it out there, which I felt like was messy. But now that it's out there, there's nothing that Kirk Franklin can do because now his reputation is on the line if it's true. Does that make sense? So it doesn't matter what their management at the time think they're trying to do now or whatever left of that management is. You can't sue someone if they don't say anything about it. Or say what management it is, or specifications of what it is, because at the end of the day, I kid you not, they're already out there, and majority of people believe them. I don't know who you think you fooling with your flamboyant ass. So you miss me with that boo. You are not fooling nobody with your pinky up with the teacup. No. So, yeah, it's nothing you can do. It's already out there. The video already out there. People have already copied and pasted from 15 years ago. And they are re-showing it, replaying it. And people are talking about the allegations. And people are reading between the lines of y'all talking and in interviews going on and noticing weird things. You can't do anything about that. So I ain't got to say what was in the tape or what Rad said in the tape because the tape is already out there. It's already surfacing. It's already circulating. I mean. And you can't get rid of it. You cannot get rid of that. Because karma, you can't get rid of that. But I'm not going to say what happened in the tape or what he said in the tape. I'm not going to say what he said in the video. I mean, I'm not going to repeat what he said in the video. And I'm not going to name the management Omorian was in, but I'm going to say his management and his management had a whole lot to do with how poorly Omorian dealt with the allegations and mainly the allegation that he reacted to the worst. I feel like it's the allegation. Well, I'm not going to specify the allegation that I feel like he reacted to the worst. I just feel like he reacted to the allegations in the worst way. Um, and whoever dealt with him, who whatever PR he had at the time, or if he even had a PR, they dealt with it in the worst way. If you want to get rid of a rumor or you want to get rid of allegations, You don't send somebody out there claiming that someone has a mental illness and there's no proof that that person has a mental illness. You got to send out receipts. You got to send out prescriptions. There's a prescription he used. You got to send out the um, psychiatrist that person was seeing. All that stuff. You can't claim someone has a mental illness if it has not been proven. And I feel like that ruined his reputation because he over here using a word to describe a disorder when he don't understand that it's ruining his reputation as a person. Even though we know you're not a doctor, people will still sit up there and say you're not credible for covering up somebody else's ass. Does that make sense? But I feel like that whole situation messed with his credibility as a person and as an artist. And so at that time, people stopped caring about what he was doing. They didn't want to hear no music from him. They didn't want to hear no interviews from him. They didn't want to see how talented he was because they wanted him to address the allegations and just answer if it was true or not. And he never really gave a yes or no if it was true or not. That was one thing I noticed in his, um. I mean, he he, he covered his marriage's butt. But he didn't really cover his butt, and I'm not trying to. I don't know why that's the wrong way of saying that, especially when dealing with this situation. That's the wrong way of saying that. But he did not cover his. If you know what I'm talking about, right? He didn't cover. He he didn't cover himself. He was covering management. So there was a whole song and dance. Uh well no but i really felt like he needed a publicist to fix that in a better way if you want to make people believe that you are not doing something or there was not nothing sinister going on with your management first and foremost management needs to do something even though management did do an interview in jet magazine management could have sat on the couch on One one's apart also and said something on One one's apart and say that's not true blah 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 no You want to know why? Because you don't want people to look in your eyes because people will look in your eyes and know you're a liar. But if you weren't a liar, why can't you do interviews? Why can't you put out an official video saying that you did not do these things? That's why I don't understand. So that was one thing that kind of messed him up as an artist. And he was supposed to be focusing on doing his music and and doing that and handling things. I want to tell y'all this. It would be nice because now he, y'all know him as being unbothered and he doesn't react, but he had to learn over the years. You can't react to allegations people make about you. However, it would have been nice if he was unbothered even though we all know the story of those allegations. But you can't be unbothered if it's true, right? You can't be those things. Another thing I felt like messed up his career was the bouncing around to different camps. When I say camps, different labels, different management, stuff like that. After he left his first management. That's another thing. It's kind of like when, just in case you guys don't understand the entertainment industry, I'm going to explain it in sports way. It's kind of like if you are a football player and you go to different teams. Like you not staying on one team and retiring on that one team. You become a little less credible once you start trading to different teams. It's kind of like LeBron James. Like people don't want to say LeBron James is great. Because LeBron James had went to different teams. Now he's back with the with, with, now he's with the Lakers, right? He started out with uh Cleveland. Then I think he went to the Magics or something like that, or he went to the Heat and they won a few championships. And then he went to now he's with the Lakers. And I think he's out this season. He's definitely out because he got a bad injury to his ankle. But you lose your credibility. And your chances of getting accolades in the entertainment industry because you move to different managements. When you move to different managements, it makes you look bad. And um, you can't do that. That's entertainment industry one-on-one, you don't do that. It makes you look bad, you know, because it makes you seem like you're an inconsistent person. And it makes you look like you're the problem and not that person's the problem. It's the same thing with getting a job. And I know that about the job thing. The whole job game, game is like that, too. You go from job to job to job to job. The funny part about that going from job to job to job to job, that some people, they end up getting more jobs because they have all them jobs that they've been bouncing around to. But after a while, you do end up having that person that becomes questioning, you know, start to question why you keep bouncing around, why you can't stay in one place. And that's a good question. Why you keep bouncing around? Why can't you stay in one place? So when he went to, because he was the beginning of Young Money. And I guess they didn't know what to do with him, which I don't... Which I get, because Young Money's brand is Nicki Minaj and Drake. And Tyga was part of that brand too, but everybody know that Young Money is Nicki Minaj and Drake. And Amorian didn't quite meet the criteria to be part of Young Money. So... Um, and it wasn't because of his age, neither. Because Drake was older. Drake was like two years... Like two years or a year younger than Moria. So, it wasn't the age. It was they did not know what to do with him as an artist. Then when he moved to Mybach Music, we had Maybach O. Um, they tried to do something with him. I felt like his... Best album came from my Bach music. Uh, playlist, Sex Playlist. And I felt like Sex Playlist was really him. That was him. That was his music. That was him doing music. I It sounded like him. But once again, you're asking somebody who has a roster of rappers to figure out what to do with an R&B singer. And at that time, he kind of had like a rough image and, and stuff like that. But he made a hit. He got a hit from that. You know, "Post to Be was a hit off Sex Playlist. But it wasn't, unfortunately, it wasn't enough for him to get the accolades he deserved. So as artists, you cannot move around to different places. Like if you're an independent artist, you should stay independent. If independent is working for you, you stick to that. You don't go to another level and it messes you up. Does that make sense? But in his case, there was nobody else that could understand him or that could manage him. Um, I kind of got an idea who I think should manage him. I don't know if this person will be a willing participant in being managed by you, but uh or you managing him, I don't know if you will be okay with him managing you, but I feel like he would have been a great manager for you. Should I say his name? I just feel like this person will be a good manager for you. I feel like okay, well, I'll go ahead and say it, and I ain't trying to be cynical or nothing. I think a good manager for Amorion would have been Raz B. And I know there are fans who are rolling on the floor, shaking their head, farting and pooting and laughing. But l- hear me out. I believe that Raz B would be good at management. I really believe he would be a good manager. And the reason I believe he will be a good manager is because he goes in it without thinking that you owe him something. And he would know how to market Omorian because they were in a group together. And since I feel like, and I think, I feel like Raz was solely responsible for B2K. Because B2K made B2K, not the management. Okay, B2K are stars without that management. I feel like Raz will understand how Amorian moves as an artist. He will understand how to promote him. He will understand how to market him. Even though Omorian chooses to manage himself um, under disguise of someone else managing him, I do feel like a, a good manager for him, even though he was probably pissed off at him at the time, would have been Raz B. And no, I'm not saying it because my childhood crush. I'm not saying it. I really do feel that in my heart that he would have been a perfect manager for him. Now, I don't know if Omorian wants to be managed by anybody anymore. I don't know if Raz B wants to manage Omorion. But I feel like if those two got together and Raz managed Omorian, I really, honest to God, am a firm believer that That could be an unstoppable team. But that's just my opinion. If somebody says it would be different and they know the dynamics between the two and they know that they're better off not away, not near each other, then let me know. But I just feel like Raz would be a good manager for Omorian. Um, I feel like nobody knew what to do with him. And I feel like Raz would know what to do with him as an artist because you he knows his vocal range, he knows his styles. You probably heard his childhood dreams because they were in a boy band together. So he know who Morion is. Some people, they just assume, and when you get in the entertainment industry and it comes to management, they just tell you what they think you are. They don't tell you who you are. That's part of artist development. Part of artist development is developing you as someone they feel is a remarkable person. And they missed the mark several times with Morion. Granted, his best album is Sex Playlist. It did not get the accolades it deserved and didn't get the airplay that it deserved. There's like 15, 20 songs on that album. Now, I don't know if there's 20 songs on the album, but there's 15, 20 songs on the album. I feel that he could have made a hit. Even though Post to Be was a hit, there was other songs on the album that were hit, too. So... It wasn't just solely a Morion. It was mostly that people didn't know what to do with him as an artist, which is probably why he managed himself now because he knows how he is in, as an artist. He knows what works best for him as an artist. Is there a conclusion to this? I'm trying to find one. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm just saying with the allegations, with the the credibility going out the door, with the breakup, and with people um calling him a diva, and he has not been proven to be a diva. I don't feel like he's a diva. Um, and a diva is is a way of, of describing, you know, a prima donna. That's usually used for a woman, but people use that term to describe Omorion when he hadn't done nothing yet. I don't think y'all seen him at his best. And he still got his best inside of him. I don't care how old he is. The R&B King is still open. And there was potential for two other R&B singers that are part of the 2010 class We ain't going to talk about how they put their foots in their mouth. Um, I don't know why people were mad at Jacques. People were mad at him for a minute. Um, and it didn't work for him because he named himself R&B King. Which I'm like, girl, can he have some confidence in himself? Um, but he did honor other R&B Kings before him. He did that. But people were so focused on what he was saying, they were mad at him. As for August Alcina, he had king potential too. We ain't gonna talk about how he messed up, honey. I want to talk about how August Alcina messed up because I just don't want to. I, I, low key is what he did in twenty twenty. That 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 foolishness, that silliness, that went down. Or whatever that point blank period. But we're talking about once again Omorian. I just feel like he was given a a a very hard deck of cards. Like like I said. With that arguing and the the pettiness that went on with the allegations and management telling him how to handle it and it was not handled properly, which right now he's handling everything properly now, but it took him to have years on him. But I would tell anybody out there, you want to be an artist and you want to be like an influencer or anything like that, you can't be bothered by what people do. Like handle things like Beyonce handled things. When people talk crap about Beyonce, y'all remember when that little fly Kim Kardashian tried to knock down elephant Beyonce and said, well, I don't know. I guess we're not friends. She didn't come to my wedding. Beyonce was like, whatever. You can't react to clout chasers. And he's reacting properly now, but he needed to react properly then because for some reason we put hardcore, um values on people who we don't know we expect celebrities to be better than us when they're just humans and he's only a human being he grew up in the entertainment industry and people really didn't give him the chance that he deserved this is sad i don't know why this turned out to be sad but I, it was a point i was making yeah and it was an argument for me to i had to argue this because i feel like There needs to be understanding as to why and a lot of times it's not because of the person in general sometimes it's how people handle you and dealt with you as an artist and in Omarion's case is how people handled him and dealt with him as an artist and did i said it before when i said that i felt like rasby would be a good manager for morian i think i said it before i'm not taking that back i don't care if those two fight me they're just gonna be fighting me shit but that's how i feel i know y'all like well there's a lot of things that you said and a lot of factors and why to his career didn't do what it was supposed to be doing but the last factor is going to probably piss him off i'm okay with that but it's true um because once again his credibility went out the window And due to the pandemic starting last year, it really messed him up. The last thing that messed up Omorian was, one, not alerting his bandmates that they were not going to be on the Millennium Tour. But not only that, because that within itself is disrespectful. Those are grown-ass men. And when you're doing business, you at least pull a grown ass man aside granted i think one special person was warned because he didn't really react to it he was like well that's a duh and when you think about it when you listen to some of the things omorion was saying he was saying that that was the last time b2k was going to be doing certain songs he low-key was telling you that this is going to be this one tour i see the bullshit of it all and we're not doing this again trust me there was some bullshit going on around that tour but it messed him up when he announced that he was doing the millennium tour without b2k once again your credibility goes out the window because you let something go fast granted it was healthy healthy for him mental wise but it was not good for him business wise. Please do not shoot me, Miss Flaffleur, Mr. Granberry, and Mr. Browner.
1: We are